Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers, where Super Metal Brother Dan will... Uh, it's high noon where he is, and he will sell his soul for water, apparently. Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> is it nine years after breaking my back? I know it's only been like a year and a half doing this, Matt, but it's felt like nine years. Yeah, that's what I feel like carrying the team. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. We are the Super Metal Brothers. We are here to talk about uh, all our lovely things we'd like to talk about, in particular. Um, I guess we got uh, coming towards the end of the year. So what is uh, Santa going to bring you this year for uh, the Super Metal Brothers Christmas, Danny? Well, hopefully a couple of more good albums because our top 10 list is coming up in Christmas and we want to make sure that we can squeeze as many good albums as we can to make our top 10 list look more credible. And this week we are talking about the Act of Defiance album. So that's good news for everybody here, the latest one. The Chris Broderick Freight Train is coming in. And uh, if you want to hear our opinions on that, stay tuned in this episode. We're also going to be um, getting Daniel's opinions on the... uh, Metal for Dummies. We've actually got a new segment on this show, and we're going to ask Super Metal Brother Dan to explain heavy metal genres, but for the people who've heard nothing about the genre before. So it's kind of like describing a Jackson Pollock painting to a blind person. Yeah, that's right. So it's going to be as glorious as it is going to be devastating for us on this show today. But first up, let's talk the news. Straight off the bat, we're talking Mike Portnoy Extreme Theatre. But uh, it sounds like he's got himself a new home with Sons of Apollo doing the exact same thing he was doing in Dream Theater, Danny. Exactly right. Trying to like dominate and tell people what to do. <laughs> that's what he said. He's come and said, I, I like this new band. Even though he's already in like six other bands, this is the seventh or tenth or twentieth new band. That's right. Because the good thing about being in this new band is that I get to call the shots like I did at Dream Theater, which I think is, is trying to, like, we're starting to figure out why he like, in quote, air quotes left Dream Theater yeah. and air quotes why they didn't want him back in Dream yeah. Theater yeah they finally had the out and uh, being as they look very polite so they would have been like now that he's left there's kind of no way of him coming back and they've done it the way because he wanted a break so he looks like the bad guy um, but Derek Sherinian apparently uh, approached him and said what about this band and he came back at him saying well I'm in all these other bands which I've never heard of uh, and said so if you want me to be doing this then I'm going to have to rule the roost kind of thing so I guess that happened. So if you're into Sons of Apollo, I'd imagine that you'd be excited by that because it's kind of his direction. So if you like his direction in Dream Theater, what's not to love about Sons of Apollo, right? Yeah, but it just sounds weird because he's like, oh, you know, I'm too busy, but if we do it, it has to be done my way because yeah. then it's, I can streamline everything. That's like, right. Don't you want to be different? Don't you want them to take care of everything and you do nothing? That's right. So what he's going to do is leave the other four or five yeah. bands because now he's got the uh, power play. He's a political... Um, Opponent. So he's basically moved his queen in front of the rook now and he's taken the king. That yeah. is a bad chess analogy, but and an analogy nevertheless, which is unusual for us here on the Super Metal Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> we want to talk about Arch Enemies Alyssa Glass for a change. Now, she's gone on record as saying that veganism is the ultimate form of rebellion, right? Now, this one I've been taking out of context, but it was so juicily taken, maybe out of context. We don't really know. I don't really care because as triggered as I was, literally, it's like saying. Veganism is not a form of rebellion, it's the form of rebellion. So it's basically like your mum saying to you, make sure you do your homework, you don't want to turn out like those nasty drug dealers and stuff. Like, dude, those drug dealers are awesome, I play Grand Theft Auto, that's a fun game, make yourself 20 million, what's wrong with that? It's true, like, veganism is the biggest form of rebellionism. I mean, if you look at, like, Nelson Mandela and Gandhi and Che Guevara... All vegan. That's why they got locked up. Bad asses. That's the, right. The media tells you for political reasons, but it's not. It's all because they didn't want to eat beef. Those boring, um, you know, 
uh, gangster drug lords who have sex with really beautiful women and live amazingly diverse and uh, networking um, you know, lifestyles where naked people are basically setting up drugs for them and stuff. Boring. You know, buying all those luxurious cars and, and having influence behind the scenes and, you know, for laws and stuff. Lame. No. That sounds terrible. You want to be eating lettuce. That's, That's your goal yeah. in life. Organic lettuce. Yeah. No bugs. No, because if you want to be a real badass and impress your friends, and honestly, if you're going to be eating less, like, you don't make friends with salad. We know this from The Simpsons. And there's our Simpsons quote as well for our friends out there. Is that going to be like, you know, in our our middle section, we talk about bands? Is like vegan core going to be like the new metal movement? Not if I can help it on Uh, the show, Danny. No, no, that's it. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's basically like, you know, I couldn't figure out what I didn't like about her. The way she treated her old bands, um, the the agonist. Um, you know, the way she's kind of like just kind of stealing Loomis for her own stuff or maybe it's because she sounds like a bit of a mum and like, I mean, apart from our mum, everyone other mum sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because she may or may not be here right now. No, but that's because like she's a vegan so she can say it's the biggest form of like rebellion. How about, how about us? We've got like no hair. So maybe having no hair is the biggest form of rebellion. That's right. You know, we stuff you share. Hair companies. privilege. You know, it, the people walk around it every day and don't realize what they have. You know, I, I, I for one, am sick of it. So, you know, if you want to shave your head bold and want to hashtag the Super Metal Brothers in it, we'll, yeah. we'll give you a like. No hair metal. Let's trend no hair metal. No hair metal. Howlstorm cancels a gig. Uh, apparently, our Lizzie Hale friend has fallen sick and the Scorpions cancel a Megadeth tour as well because they have shared the same virus, drinking from the same cup, or maybe the plague that's going to hit the American wipe out our heavy metal rock legends. What is your take, Danny? Well, if Trump was going to say something, it's because we need to build a wall to stop these infections spreading through. That's right. So we need to build this infection, anti-infection wall. How would that anti-infection wall look like, Dan? I know you get into engineering a little bit. What does an anti-infection wall that will protect heavy metal heads? But this is the thing. We obviously don't really care about other forms of music that, mm. you know, manufactured pop stuff. You know, if they happen to get, you know, herpes or whatever, you know, the right hand falls off, whatever. I mean, they don't even use their voice to sing technically, you know. Yeah. I mean, if the Pro Tools got an infection, that'd be devastating. The good thing about metalheads, we'd normally like introverts to stay home to listen to music, so we won't get contaminated because we won't hang out with people. Yeah. So I think being a metalhead, you're pretty much safe from like. What we need drugs. is to have healthcare free for metalheads because they're probably not earning enough to buy things like insurance or clean water. So we need to get access for these people to yeah. stay alive. So what we need now is a is a fund me campaign. Four metalheads, buy metalheads. Buy metalheads would be a bit tricky because if we've got no money and we're going to give it to people who have no money, I don't know where the money will come from. Yeah, the other good way that metalheads keep like germs away from them, like most most germs like airborne. Yeah. So when you crack the metal, you get your windmills going. Yes. Your windmills just blow away the germs and the bugs. So but we just, we just, 10 seconds ago, we just auctioned the new idea of no hair metal. And you are bringing, uh, say to bring it back? You know, you, it, it, it is our handicap in life needs to be sustained in order for everyone else to have hair to blow away the germs. Okay. No hair metal for some, <laughs> hair metal for others. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about Opeth with Mikhail Akafels or Akafeltz, if you're not cool. Um, he hates being referred to as the thinking man's metal. Someone out there has called Opeth, especially the Blackwater Park album, as thinking man's metal, says it's detrimental for the promotion of the band. I would agree because I haven't had a single thought listening to Opeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And lately their prog stuff, I don't think anyone's got much to say positive about it either. Hashtag bring the growls back, Danny. Yeah, I think it's th- more thinking about metal 
now, like, why have they changed their style so much? I think now it's more thinking yeah. about metal. The thing about the band is they had so much progression in their song. So for eight minutes, you could sit down and hear, you know, a death metal tune, a folk metal tune, classical inspiration, prog inspiration. You'd get the whole kit caboodle, but you didn't have to sit there and think about it. You could just internalize it, sit back and enjoy it on your lounge chair. That, I think, is what, like, Still Life album, Blackwater Park, even the Orchid album or Morning Rise, these albums are designed for you to sit back and listen. I would consider things like maybe Tech Death or something like that more of a thinking man's metal because you can't engage in it on a headbanging or an emotional sense. The only way you can get enjoyment out of it is to literally sit there and go, oh my God, that's 1718. What a bar. Who would have thunk that, you know? Minor major seven over a G major chord, like whatever. And that might not mean anything to you because sometimes for me it doesn't either. Sure it doesn't. But that's, that's what we're looking at here, eh? So whoever invented it, it's kind of full of shit. Yeah, it's maybe some got there because people, some of metal leaders, they love getting their high horse. Yeah, so they would have come out and said, hmm, I, I, I appreciate Opeth uh, more than you do because uh, yeah, I'm a thinking man. Yeah, yeah. I get it because I get the deep, profound impact they have on me, and only someone of my intellect. Honestly, I hope that guy got bash. Whoever, whoever invented that term, I just hate that smart. I reckon, I reckon it was Alyssa Glass. <laughs> yeah, or it's one of the guys from Metal Sucks. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because they did that whole article about how elitist they are, and like a bunch of metalheads are really been going out lately because they've been putting themselves on the high horse and uh yeah the, and, the, and the fans are talking back and they've gone back at the fans like way to way to like diminish your sales by having the people your your actual fans who you engage with and just saying they're wrong for just having a genuine discussion about what your stuff is but uh, never mind that um justin hawkins danny radio killed the riff he reckons the guitar has been unfashioned by radio jocks got no idea about the guitar now putting on music that sucks is he right Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if you go to those mainstream channels, well, yeah, that's fair. Mainstream songs, they've got no time for riffs. That yeah. You've got a three-minute song, bing, bang, boom, done. Yeah. But you know, this guy here, The Darkness, they made it massive mostly because you know, because of like the radio and yep. like video clips. So for him to say that, he must see that you know you got massive because of these things. So are you saying you don't have riffs? I, I haven't listened to the radio for maybe 10 years. The end of the day is you've got so many avenues now with you know my CD player in my car, um, uh, you know, all the uh, streaming services that you can get, you know, buying music through MP3 format, that's, um, who's got time for the radio? Like, infos and ads, like, who needs them anymore? Like, go ahead, get the album you like, put it on your phone, put it into your car, your day will be happier because of it. Or you could just listen to Andrew Hogue Radio 24-7. Oh, right? we're not even going to pay for radio. this, Danny. We've got to ask him for some money, honestly. No hair metal or hair metal for some, he'll get behind one of those, surely. Yeah. He has lots of hair, though, so he'll know what to, I know what to sell him on. Sure. We're going to be talking about Nine Inch Nails with Trent Reznor. Um, apparently, the uh, he's, he's out of fashion, the uh, the rock thing, but uh, he doesn't really care as much. What's going on with that, Danny? Yeah, oh, I think that's pretty much what he's saying against like, that whole rock roll star, rock roll star. It's not really big in the year 2017, but he doesn't care because... Why would you do something for so long? You just don't. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of basically confirming what Justin said in a different way. You know, the uh, guitar's kind of fallen back in the pop icon. You know, it was big and heavy through the 90s and stuff like that. I mean, hell, they were playing Metallica, Pantera and stuff back in the day on video hits. And if you don't know what that is, man, we really are old. Yeah, we are. But yeah, but right now it's just yeah, again, commercialized plastic music. Yeah. yeah, so bring back the guitar, guys. Especially about talking about guitars. G3 is on its way around again. It comes around every year, apparently. It's the Joe Satriani Hour with uh, Steve Vai. And they bring in the guitarist, new guitarist, basically, every year to showcase, basically, 
being wanked on from the face by your beloved guitarist for three 45-minute sessions and then the last, and then they all get on stage together to blow chunks in your face. Danny, th- the ones that said no to Joe Satriani were Eddie Van Halen, Jimmy Page, and Carlos Santana. Two of those three I'm actually disappointed about. <laughs> okay. Um, who do you think they need to get this year? Who is the G3 candidate for 2018 or 17? I don't know if they announced the third one yet. It was tricky because um, they're, they're good shredders, but not like ultimate shredders. So you... Well, they, ha- they had um, a guy we're going to be talking about a little later, uh, John Petrucci. They had yeah. him on at once, and he is a genuine shredder. Yeah. The thing is, though, like, yeah, a uh, Chris Imperatelli, a uh, Chris Broderick, maybe, a um, Jeff Loomis. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I'm thinking he's going to make a G3 at some point, although he is, in, he is being underutilized already. Why yeah, be yeah, underutilized yeah. in two things? Am I right? You know? I mean, if, if you get, like, off some bands we've, like, checked out this, like, Arxfire, like, that yeah. guitar is pretty crazy, or, like, the aboard guitar. What about just Michael Romeo, though? He could sit in that already, one. Yeah, Michael Romeo is definitely a way to go. Um, he's definitely a guy who's underappreciated. And they have a bit of break for Symphony X at the moment. So it's definitely the. Yeah, he's got to time go. to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's going to be really, really thing. Because they need, like, obviously a guy who's just more of a rock shredder. Someone who's mm. good, but maybe not too good. Like, you know, I think Satriani and Vi want something that can accommodate for their kind of shredding, but also puts those two up on a pedestal still. Well, you might put Steve Moore's from Deep Purple. Like, yeah, he's got a tone. Maybe hey, Paul people. Gilbert, maybe. Yeah. You know. Although it's weird, it is a strange uh, in its instance. Talking about Flesh God now with a vocalist, he's quit Tomasco Riccardi, probably one of our favorite Italian frontmen. He's uh, left for personal reasons. Is someone squeezing the toothpaste from the middle or the back end? Is this why he's upset with the band? Or is there deeper underlying issues, Danny? He didn't like the way they cooked the pasta. He wanted our dente and they always made too soft. Too soft. Too soft. Oh, offensive. man, breaks families. Very offensive for Italians. It's number one reason domestic violence happens in the northern parts of the hemisphere. It's really that <laughs> bad these days. Yeah, but they're pretty quick to find replacements for the gym. Apparently, I think it was a long time coming. It's been like a couple of months they've talked about it and I guess he finally left. And now the drummer sings. they got a new drummer and they got a new guitarist. Yeah, so basically, the back in the day, I think that was that set up as well. Well, the guitarist wasn't in the band, but the drummer was the singer. And the um, and the guitarist wasn't yeah, and the guitarist is new, and the drummer was the old drummer or something. I think it was something oh, along those lines. Yeah. Um, for some people, this would be devastating. We've seen Flesh God a couple of times, and I'm really sad because the frontman was definitely one of the most engaging people in the band. Um, had a great uh, presence for for vocal arrangements and his uh, guitar, and he could play guitar. So it will be a little bit sad, but uh, gone but not forgotten, Danny. Yeah, I guess he's not the main songwriter. Yeah, at the end of the day, we've got King from him and we've got a couple other great ones like the Labyrinth album. So you've got plenty of reasons to check out his stuff. Will he continue though? Hopefully, hopefully. I think he's got a talent for it. Yeah, well, they're, they're still touring now, so they've they're just uh, effortlessly transitioned. Known for making great music, another musician who makes good music is Devin Townsend. You know, mm. he's done his stuff with Strapping Young Lad. We reviewed the album that he's done this year. Last year. Last year, yeah. my bad. Um, he said on quote, when I made angry music, I made horrible music. Uh, a little bit of fleshing that out, Danny. What does he mean by that? Uh, I just don't think he remembers well. He's old. He's seen now. He doesn't get that. His angry music was fantastic music. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. some of the stuff that he wrote with his new man isn't horrible. But then a lot of fans have told me that it's good music. So I guess the subjective thing isn't lost on uh, the, the guy right here. Maybe a bit of an ironic statement. Who knows? Uh, I mean, when his, his angry music was, I guess, Pretty more like, you know, 
bangers and mash like it's just solid songwriting oh, just heavy right. all the way through but now he's more progressive it's more like do I say intelligent songwriting on a baseball oh thinking more, man's music thinking man's do you reckon yeah. he wrote this do you reckon oh. he killed Opeth's career That's I reckon right. it's possible yeah, because he actually because he wants to do work with Mikael now, so maybe that's what he did. He, he destroyed Opeth so that he could break away from that like heavy stuff, so him and Mikael could write together. Twenty yeah. years in the making, amazing mastermind. Wow, John Petrucci, Dream Theater. We talked about at the start being a part of the G Three Extravaganza is actually feeling a little bit guilty. The guy hasn't released a solo album since two thousand and five, even though he did do the Astonishing, which is like a double album. Freak Out, Lost the Drummer, done a bunch of stuff for Dream Theater since then, extensive touring. We should make him feel worse about it though, Dan, shouldn't we? Why has he not recorded since 2005? That's a very good question. I mean, his ex-drummer is in like 20 million bands. Oh. So if his ex-drummer could be 20 million bands and all you do is write a new album every four years, yeah, you've got time to do other stuff. Yeah, so I think uh, he should feel guilty right out. You know, playing like that, he should be churning out songs on the toilet. He should have an album written by breakfast time. There's just yeah. no excuse. I mean, he doesn't cut his hair. He doesn't cut his beard. I mean, what's he doing with all his free time? You know what he's doing? Nah. The gym. Have you seen that guy's arms? Yeah, well, he's got to cut that shit out. Yeah, and, and his daughter. I mean... Way to show love to your loved ones, which you're away from for two thirds of the year in other countries. I mean, probably missed uh, the thing, you know, grow up, maybe get married, maybe even like, you know, all those other important things like uh, whatever kids do these days. And uh, here he is being selfish, not writing albums, not giving back mate, to the fans. Mate. You know, so uh, with that, maybe he's our um, Agene of the Week, you reckon, John Petrucci? <laughs> oh, it's been a slow week, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of people that were nice, you know, but how dare you, this guy, man? 2005, gee whiz. It's true. 12 yeah. years. You know, a lot's happened in 12 years, Danny. He could have saved the world, you know, he could have prevented so many things. The non-hair metal fad, the hair metal fad that came 10 seconds after it. Yeah. What are we, what are we dealing with here? The um, fall of Opeth that we just mentioned. Yeah. That's right. Devin Townsend infiltrating metal culture and destroying prog metal bands, then writing prog metal music. Or the creation of vegan core, as we've just found out. Oh, man. So much harm has just had this last week, so we're going to have to move it on. And yeah, maybe it's flushed out some of these metal things we've been talking about, these different genres and stuff. So let's move on to our feature presentation this week. This week's Featured presentation, Metal for Dummies. If you don't know what we're talking about, let me explain it to you. You know those books then you get at Target and Kmart? They're basically like the uh, the Microsoft Word for Dummies or like, you know, growing up your kids for dummies or, you know, all that, those all that great stuff. How to start a podcast for dummies? Yeah, I, we obviously didn't read it. Um, Too hard. What are those books about? What, how could you summarize that? Uh, they're books on topics for people of low intellect. So yeah. people, people don't listen to Opeth. So people yeah. of um, not intelligent music, you listen to read these books and apparently supposed to break down so simply that any dummy could understand it. So we are going to uh, beg the question, how much of dummies are the Super Metal Brothers by posing some... Basically, these are the actual styles of metal, right? So we're going to throw them at Super Metal Brother Dan or he maybe he'll throw them at me and then we have to explain in the simplest terms for people who have never heard the genre what it is and how it can like, you know, it spark that thing in your brain like, oh, I get it right now, you know? And not that fake like I get it like the end of those like thriller movies like Seven where you're like, I really get it but you didn't really get it. It's like, you get it, get it, like the ending to play school, you know? Oh, it's a square, I get it, you know? It's like four things and it's even, you know? Yeah, it was Big Ted. It's always Big Ted. All right, so off the top, Daniel... Metal for dummies, power metal. Yeah. Nice, easy one. Nice, easy one. So, so power metal, if you want to go real basic. Real basic. It's uh, fast Van Halen. Can I just say that? For real? 
That's, that's the basic of basic. Yeah, that's right. Think about all the coolest things from the Lord of the Rings books uh, sung by guys with their pants way too tight. Yeah, a guy who's still like 14 years of age, yeah. he still sings in like the choir and yeah. like... For some reason, he's still like above the girls. Oh. and in the soprano range, like the top register, higher than higher. Yeah. Um, and then the guitarist, he just loves doing like you know, arpeggios all day because yeah. he's just learned that trick and that's the only thing he can do. So yeah, power metal, fast, guys that sound like girls, uh, 14-year-old girls, and um, themes about dragons. Yeah, definitely. You have to have some sort of dragon or medieval or castle, something very like, we, we kind of think nearly corny and cheesy but yes. something where you think nah nah medieval's cool because dragons are badass and that's that's the mentality yeah. you have to have yeah. you, you gotta really think like you're going into battle but going to battle with like a nice melody behind it yeah that. yeah like, like yay you know, you're not killing bad guys you're liberating the, the good guys you know look at it that way you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> don't mind those dead rotting corpses that's not that's not power metal but maybe it's our next genre black metal how do we break this down to our fans uh Van Halen, but lower. <laughs> <laughs> no, just think, um, like, you know, when you wake up and it's cold and your dog just died <laughs> and there's no sugar for your coffee and someone took, like, the last bit of toast. Yeah, and your sugar's in your neighbor's house, which is, like, eight hours walk that way <laughs> with the rain and the hepatitis C blades coming out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to put your mule down last night, so there's no way to bring your sugar back. Yeah. It, it, basically, it's dark 11 months of the year and all it does is rain buckets. And um, yeah, it's just bad news. No plumbing. That's the music. That's what music sounds like, all right? That's kind of the dreary. And it actually kind of sounds like that through a toilet roll, through a sock, through the most distorted microphone in the yeah, world. It's like getting a bag of like Starburst and only flavor left is cherry. <laughs> and you, you, you got to use it like oh. cherry again? Yeah, Shit, but it's not just cherry. It's also cherry and Satan. Those are the two ingredients <laughs> in the Starbucks bag. I think you know, you know you get wine gums. That's just like the whole gore. All thing. right, mm, Doom okay. Metal. What is Doom Metal for dummies? Doom is just like, like if you, if you want to go slow in life and you want to say how do I how do I calm my life down because my life is so crazy I need to go like a little bit slower yeah well that's not slow enough you gotta no. go to yourself <laughs> you gotta set like an egg timer for like a hundred minutes and then you gotta like boil water with one degree Celsius you know yeah. and that's slow um, what you wanna do right this is actually how you play do metal get your guitar put every string in the same note as D right just okay. put it in just get your metronome out it's in D right Every 30 seconds, I want you to go over and kick your guitar and just the distortion ring and let it ring out for 30 seconds. And then only in another 30 seconds are you allowed to kick your guitar again. <laughs> Do this for 15 minutes and you have your album. That is doom metal. Yeah, and that can be like just two songs as well. Yeah. Yeah, you just say two songs. It's enough. Yeah, it's literally the space in between the notes. And I don't know it, but if you ask a doom metal fan, they just hear something that no one else can hear. Yeah, or if you've got like a really shit like speaker and has all that like in it, just yeah. put a microphone next to you speak. Don't do anything. Death metal. Death metal for dummies, Danny. Death metal for dummies. For Again, if you cross like the power metal and the black metal, yeah. and kind of mold them together, yeah. you get like... Van Halen with the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh you got to stop with this Van Halen, man. I'm sorry. Um, all right, so themes, horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah. The music um, basically is like a hammer being smashed on the table in one in half a second intervals, right? So you're just hearing this thing hitting something really, really hard and the guitars, 
sound like the jigsaw from your uncle's um, uh, chainsaw in the basement that's really rusty and just disgusting. It really does sound like, um, yeah, someone's going to die and it might be your eardrums. Who knows? Yeah. That's death metal. And the singer makes that sound like he just swallowed a fly. He's trying yeah. like to spit it out again. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like gurgling blood, but it's like, it could be just a fly. Yeah, it could just be like last night's dinner. Yeah, but also but fast again. Yeah, yeah again. They, like, they like it fast. Yeah. New metal? New not metal. Pre- pre- obviously not as popular now as it was back in the 90s. Very big with the bands like Korn. Yeah. What is new metal? What's the best thing of saying it? I think like new metal, if you get like a, you know, a fan, you talk at the back of a fan, it makes that weird noise. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like, it, it, it should be heavy and like loud and stuff, but it has that fake like industrial sound to yeah. it. Yeah. I think the best thing about new metal is, is it's really good. What you do, you want to pick up your guitar, right? And learn three chords in it. Mm. And then you want to write an album. And yeah. that with that, that's your new metal band. All right. Just even yeah. if you have no recollection on anything, just kind of like no three chords. Play them in whatever arrangement you want and, and only using the first three or four frets, right? Yep. And that's all you need and you can be in a new metal yeah, band. Yeah, instead of like, like a black symphonic metal band might have a keyboard or something to give it some sound effects. Yeah. For some reason, you have to get your vinyls out and just keep scratching them for like as a fourth instrument. Symphonic metal. You just brought it up. I got it here. Wow, symphonic metal. Yeah. So again, it's like what I just said with the new metal, but they're different. Right. Yeah. Yeah, go on. It's an archetype. You need one. You need. You need. A, you need a uh, system for symphonic metal. You need a classically trained female vocalist. Mm. If it's not female, it doesn't work. For some reason, the dichotomy needs a female soprano or soprano vocalist, yeah. right? Uh, you need riffs from new metal, right? Okay. So yeah. we've already explained that. All right. Yeah. And I think that's it, man. You need. Oh, and you need them to. Talk, and then you need to have the girl going through a serious relationship breakup. Because oh. or else they can't write songs. <laughs> yes. Actually, look, and to be fair, the most important instrument is a synth. You have to yeah. have the synth. Any other instrumentation, any other band or drone, you need to have a synth. Yeah. And Matt, guess what? Is Matt Band had a synth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it Van Halen? Oh, yes, Andy, you're right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. One more left for the diehard fans. There is no way you can bring this back to Van Halen. Let's see how we go. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Gent. <laughs> oh, okay. You no, know, no way. How are you going to make I'll this work? I'll tell you how it works. You know when Eddie Van Halen gets really drunk and he can't play his stuff on stage properly? That is Gent. Does that work? So, so Gent, I think like we've heard the best way to describe Gent is those old like... Typewriters. Um, typewriters and printers from the old like... Commodore 64s just put some heavy uh, just put your metal zone through a typewriter and just get the jumper from a sugar and, uh, and then you've got gent yeah it's yeah. pretty much or like a really poor internet connection back in the day and just yeah. keeps making these stupid sounds Eddie Van Halen's typewriter <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what you need <laughs> <laughs> well I hope our, our fans have left a little bit smarter although I suspect they'll leave a little bit dumber <laughs> Yeah. We're no Opeth. We're no Opeth. Um, yeah, we're no thinking man's music. But you know, we, we're out stretching for the fans out there. If you guys don't know a genre, let us know. Comment on our wall um, on facebook.com forward slash bro, and we'll answer your question on what genre do you think you need to know that little bit more about. Yeah. Break it down. Maybe even getting too much into it, you know. That whole uh, thing on that uh, page, you know, that metal encyclopedia, they're breaking yeah. down genres into genres like post-hardcore yeah. 
uh, you know. So let's let's do us the world a favor and oversimplify maybe. That's that is the best way. You don't want to think about it. You just want to enjoy it. And I think that's the most important thing. You just listen to the music. You don't care about genres. Just if you like it, you like it. Okay. And with that, we're going to move on to our CD review of this week. Yeah, so the band we've decided to do this week is a American band by the name of... Chris Broderick. Oh, sorry, you oh, mean... Okay. <laughs> sorry, Active of Defiance, isn't it? Yeah, Active of Defiance, yeah, close enough. Maybe that was pretty quick there. It's formed in 2014 by guitarist Chris Broderick and drummer Sean Drover of ex-Megadeth. And apparently they both resigned from Megadeth on the same day, so which made it, I guess, a lot easier to transition to the new band. Uh, vocalist Henry Derrick... And also bassist Matt Backhand, I guess, or Backhand, something like that, uh, from Shadows Fall. So there you go. And look, all those people came together 2014, still together. Oh, is it still the same band? Still the same band. Oh, this wow. is the second album. First album was Birth and the Burial in 2015. So like only a year after they formed. So they must have had mirror material yeah. already. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, these guys would have probably brought those riffs to Dave Mustaine. It's like, hey, Dave, what about this riff? And he would have been like, no. And then I, ah. You know, and eventually, like, after being told probably for the 17th, umpteenth, billionth time, they finally decide enough is enough, left the broken marriage, started a new one together, and got himself a new four-way. But is it any good, Danny? Well, that's what we're here to discuss, Matthew. That's mm. what we're here to discuss. Now, we just actually finished listening to this album uh, about 10 hours ago, so we're pretty fresh with this one, Danny. Now, you want to break it down track by track, or you want to just go the whole kit caboodle and just riff on what we love and don't love about the album? Yeah, that's how we, I think it works for us. Yeah. Okay. What I love about this album straight up is Chris Broderick. Okay, this guy is notorious for being Shredder of the Shredders. Uh, top tier. This guy is one of those guys like our Michael Romeos and Jeff Loomis's and stuff like that, where he can write amazing riffs, but also solo to make anyone feel incredibly depressed about their seven guitar habits that so they're trying to still pay off to this very day, Super Metal Brother Matt. Oh, Damn. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> do you agree Chris Broderick's riffing, especially on this album in particular, is at higher quality, or is this guy overrated and needs to just put the guitar down and just do something else like, I don't know, breathe or... <laughs> You know, take that shit. Maybe take up, take up the bass. Yeah, yeah, take the bass. What is this guy up to? Oh, uh, look, uh, his riffs. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to be as sold as you are on these riffs. Mm. I think look, there are some moments where there are some like tough, heavy riffs, but also there's a lot of like generic '80s thrash riffs. Yeah, and, like yeah, it's pretty '80s. Yeah, it's pretty '80s. Yeah, so like, yeah. I think we should go through like particularly like track two where it's like the uh, carcass kind of inspired one. Where it's got a little bit of tinge of death metal, but then it is unapologetically thrash using all those classic fourths and stuff like that. Um, plenty of riffs in it, hitting you fast, you know, that's one of the things I was thinking about. Uh, there's a couple later on in the album as well, which has got that thrashy vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, track eight and stuff. Yeah, track eight as well, that kind of stuff, which is really, really cool. Yeah, but he breaks up, he brings it. Average, you gone. Yeah, so he brings it up, like, you know, does the tremolo picking, so which is quite, you know, not really thrashes, just tries to break a bit, gets a bit neoclassical in certain sections Oh, as yeah, well. definitely. So, like, I mean, this guy loves the solos, and he, and he loves to play solos. You're getting one to two solos Minimum every song, every song, every song, even on that short song, like a three minute song. No, nah, still needs a solo. He yeah, just, he just and to be fair, at least they are different. Yeah, they are diverse and they fit the songs. They're not just like wank or look how fast I can play. They actually try to. Oh, you can play fast. Even one song actually starts with a guitar solo. Yeah. you yeah. know, it's the mountain track 10, the full mountain Jason Becker wank fest that is just, I mean, it is really much speaking to guitarists, I think, for most of it. Although, I like to think. You know, this is a, a band. I really do feel like this is Chris Broderick at the fore and the front most. 
Um, for and it is he is a strength, you know. He really is. He can show off his acoustic sections with like track four and stuff like that. And later on the album, I think track, you know, the like the last track, track eleven. You know, he can do all that kind of great stuff with that. Show his diversity, his arpeggios, his tapping, his bends. You know, all his shredding is ridiculous. His riffage that has got different things to the death metal, to the thrash metal mostly. Mm. Some of that groovy stuff though that uh, he might have stolen from Loomis. Well, that Born track, you know, <laughs> track ten, I think it is as well. Where he literally stole Jeff Loomis is um, it's all part of the parcel, you know. It works. It sounds cool. It's angry. Um, highlights for the album for his, for Chris Broderick, his riffage. What were some of the higher points? Oh, I think you pretty much pointed out his um, main sort of riffs there. Uh, again, like track two was pretty cool. There's a bit of like a real rock and breakdown at times, well, which helps out. Yeah. Uh, so that he's not too bad though. There's been like some acoustic sections, which is quite nice. Which um. It helps break it up. It helps change it, which is always it's always good to do. So he can play slow if he wants. He's not just a guy who has to play fast, which can be yeah, a bit yeah. boring after a while. Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. I, I really like, for example, track 10, because I think what I like about his writing there is that it's actually got emotion. Like, And he does a little bit in track 9, but track 10 is far more pronounced and stronger as a song. Um, when he starts doing that a little bit more, where it's kind of showing his technique and that but the groove itself is very tough and angry um it's not just a bunch of notes it's actually really heavy and hard hitting which is a good little break from it as well um there's a couple other things as well like his soloing stuff i mean every track has got some really good stuff like track five for example with all those classical freeman becker kind of stuff with those bends and all those pejos and stuff like that which is really cool um at its lower point, though, like you said, like the, the grooves are everywhere. Even track one, like that that killer shred stuff that he's doing in the verse and stuff, going to that really cool headbanging uh, chorus. So the riff is just good. But when you're saying Danny, it comes with that disclaimer. Some of the other stuff just doesn't really grab you as much, you know? Yeah, uh, so I, th- I thought it was a bit too safe. Pretty too standard riffs, I think. I yeah. don't know if he just he just want to make it simple or he just wants his solo to stand out more. Yeah. Or maybe he just didn't have an idea for that song so that simple riff goes there. Now, I think I'll say that now, I'm not sure if Chris Broderick is to blame for this, but I will start now looking at the rhythm section behind him. Now, particularly the drummer. This guy here is tight. You know, you can, he can play all the stuff that is required from him. The only problem is that it lacks a little bit of imagination. The feel, the, basically, what you get is his grooves that he sets up, which aren't very colorful. They're literally like, okay, this is what a groove is, and he plays the beat. Then he plays a field to break into the next section. But hearing other drummers in that style, like Testament, for example, Gene Hoagland or Nick Barker and stuff like that, you hear how they can color songs more, like in between the verses, get, start putting those things to match the singer or matching some of those licks, just, just adding more life to the song. This guy, for me, just doesn't do it. He does the, the what is needed, and that's about it. And for me, I think that's why riffs sound generics at times and not maybe that maybe that is down to Chris Borick but I would agree I would argue more so that the drumming is just not helping those riffs stand out and the the songwriting I think for me sometimes sounds very much like a story but the way that the drums are it's like no this is the rock beat now no this is the death metal beat now and it's not much there's no risks taken as far as the the drumming goes but there is plenty taken with the guitaring goes I think Oh, that's fair to say. I mean, he tries to do some things like there's blast beats and double kicks, etc. Yeah, yeah. Stand us up, but there's no like like really clever cymbal work or yeah. just anything. His hands don't feel free. Like his feet are cool and stuff. But again, even then, it's like 
the double kicks like it's like that constant pattern. There's no gallops or something to keep it interesting. There's no quirkiness. There's no spontaneity. There's no creativity in that sense. It's like, okay, this needs a groove and you're going to be playing the groove. And I think for a percussionist, especially with the stripped down um, band, like you've got, you know, literally the guitarist, the drummer, the bass and the, and the vocalist, right? That's it, yeah. and that's it. So I'm like, well, something needs to go in this space. Something needs to give it this thing life. And I, I've heard trios do this a lot before and, and four pieces where it's like, you know, much more color, much more presentation goes towards it. Van Williams would have been perfect for this, you know, someone like that caliber, you know, someone who's actually worked behind guitarists who set up grooves and stuff. You know, you hear it all the time. Thomas Hake does a lot of that cool stuff as well, you know, for Meshuggah. That's probably why Meshuggah are where they are because the riffs themselves are pretty much wash, rinse, repeat sometimes. They just go in cycles for a long time. Mm. But it's, it's the imagination that Thomas Hake gives these songs and the life he brings. And I just don't hear that from the drummer. And that turns me off sometimes from some of these tracks. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I think we I can't, we interviewed a band, reviewed a band two or three weeks ago. And that's that's what was great about their drummer is that if the guitarist is a bit slow, a bit boring, a bit same, so if their drummer is enough yeah. there to make it, oh, well, this actually sounds like a different whole section, but it's just nice. Yeah, and there's a fine line where a drummer can go way too over the top yeah. and it's like, okay, well, you're just now just showing off, you know. But this is the other end. This is too far safe. You know, it's and if you can be somewhere in the middle, somewhere like your Dirk Bulens, I think, instead of being too far right where it's like tech death kind of crazy, you know, um, then, you know, so be. I think even like, for example, the bass player for Mudbane, even though it's a different instrument, like some people argue that, yeah, what he did was very, very good, but some people argue it was too much over the top. It was too much him showing his abilities off when he didn't need to as much and he should pull back a little bit. But um, that's kind of a minor nitpick for me because he obviously is a talented person, though. He's at, you can hear that he's, they're tight. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, you play the Megadeth, so he must have some ability. Yeah, he's definitely got ability to play what's required. What about the vocalist, though? I mean, I know where you're trying to get with this, but the vocalist, he has a lot of variety. We start start like a job of positive, a lot of variety. Bad thing, his melodic singing is very average. (laughs) It's it's one of those guys we see like on on a metalcore or like a hardcore band where their melodic singing is that very whining, nasaling. No, like, power behind it. It's, like, self-taught type stuff. Yeah, it's a cross between a power metal vocalist at times to the, basically, the trope of the 90s where you had that nasally Linkin Park vocalist where it all came from the, the throat. A very angsty, um, very, uh, just, I wouldn't say whiny is a word, but there's something about it when he sings. Like, just listen to track one, for example, oh, with that nasally. verse. It's just, like, you hear it and you're, like, I don't know if this fits for me, you know. Um, it's very much a style of singing that is going to have a very illicit response like your Warrell Danes. Um, I guess like some of you, who is some of the vocalists that stand out to you as being, uh, I think power metal vocalists in general have this ability. I think guys like um, Bruce Dickinson is very much like that as well. King Diamond, for example. Yeah, it could be that. It's just Judas Priest, you know, with uh, Rob Halford. These guys here have a very distinct voice. But at least they had, they had something else going for it, like a bit of power and a bit of power. Yeah. yeah. Oh, apart from King Diamond, I don't like his full yeah. solo. But yeah, but they have power, like Hansi Cruz from like Blind Guardian. All like power metal guys, all great power behind them. this guy here. You just you don't hear that power or that strength, and it's a shame because when you're doing like thrashy stuff and heavy stuff, you want that singing to help drive it because yeah. that's the whole point of thrash. It's like it's like an aggressive attacking song music, except for the parts where it. They do purposely become melodic and softer. Yeah. The other parts, you need 
to um, help you out. We reviewed a band early, early this year called Betraying the Martyrs, and they had the exact same problem, but they had two vocalists. Yeah. But it still resonates the same thing to me. Your vocalist, that's your singing vocalist. He can have the melodies, which generally the notes themselves are probably the right notes in a sense, like it makes sense. But the way they're presented to us is like, uh, it's a bit ch- too cheesy. You know, it feels very much like a um, a guy singing his songs to his girlfriend rather than singing it to his boss that's just yeah. fired him because he's trying to you know, make more money and trying to get rid of the wages, yeah. which I think more authentic, you know? Yeah, I mean, he does some things well though. Like he's yeah. screaming and his growling, they're all fine. Can- and they're great. Like he does that good like black and death like, scream thing. That awesome. sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Wicked. Yeah, so like, he does some things well, and that's great, but just the forged the melodic stuff is too jarring. It's just, it needs to be improved. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Sorry, you know, you, you look pretty tough and mean and angry, and, you know, Chris Butterick is pretty cool, and, like, one day it might come back to bite us in the ass because they look like just really cool guys, and I feel bad at saying it. Um, but uh, it does take me out of the music. Just uh, for the very highest parts in the album, the contrast of the other stuff, it, it makes it harder to give this one a full-blown recommendation, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I even yeah. Unfortunately, the production as well. I don't think I was really happy with that times. Yeah, go on. I, I think there's times like start of track two. I thought it was a bit too muddy. It wasn't really that clear. And there's times as well when they tried to build up to like a really heavy, chunky sound. I think they were they were lacking the distortion a bit on mm. the guitar. So this this part where they built up to a breakdown and built up just against like a slow, chunky riff. Mm. It didn't it didn't hit me hard. I felt like there was something there which they could have like helped add bit of more distortion or maybe a second guitar would have helped or maybe the bass could have been a bit louder i don't know something to help it it wasn't really impacting me at times um yeah i think it sounded a little dry but i really think because it just lacks some personality from the other band members it really needs a more of a collaborative effort and some risks taken when it comes to kind of sharing some of that burden um however i don't know what the politics are in this band um, I do see this one working for some people like thrash metal is very strong in our community here in Australia and generally across the world they're a strong band great musicians so there are a lot of highlights on this album when it comes to great riffs in general and that but when they kind of get stuck in that and they aren't mediocre players but sometimes it just comes across as just something that really isn't getting me all excited for especially for this kind of music which really should be feeling it you know yeah I agree I thought it, I thought it was okay I didn't, I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I think there's better thrash albums you could buy. And If you want pure thrash, that Testament album we reviewed last year is far yeah. more of an exciting one. Even a this year was, was, was better. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. If you love good guitar solos, yeah, buy this album. Yeah, uh, if, you're a, if you're a Chris Broderick fan, he's, oh, he's yeah. all over it. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's, that's your selling point. Yeah. Yeah, that's really about it. You know, basically, if you're a guitarist and you love Shred, the album's for you. If you love a bit of the 80s and that, you know, if you love your thrash, Check it out. Um, you know, you can hear some of that, you know, like I was saying before, that melodic death medley kind of stuff. That track three, for example, and like, you know, your carcass stuff. There's a bit of a homage to that kind of stuff. But some of it sounds a little bit hammy as well too, you know, that, that chorus. Very much like, mm, you know, yeah. all the feels, you know, all that pain being a single parent in today's world, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, yeah, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a mixed review, but it, uh, it's got some world-class musicianship on it. And uh, wow, those solos, man. Gee whiz. Hmm. They, they are a masterclass in themselves. And uh, in that self, it's still a crime that these guys probably aren't making as much as they should be just from the hours they put into their um, abilities. Yeah. Uh, just 
It's the word of metal. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about this before, Danny, how someone on Facebook with a dog filter on their face will get more attention than a guy like that who's been obviously playing for eight hours, bringing so many ideas and innovation into 30 seconds of music. And he's just not going to get the well, uh, same respect from the general community. Well, it's his fault for not being born a hot chick. You know, it's... <laughs> So it comes down to life. You get your choices, and unfortunately, act, yeah. act of defiance would be better if you were hot chicks. <laughs> yeah, with, with um, puppy dog filters, idiots. Ah, uh, with that, we've hit the end of our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Superman, brother Matt. Yeah, and I couldn't find any lyrics to this, so Hangar 18, I uh, know too much. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even on that album. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I got. I've been Superman, brother Dan. We've been the Superman brothers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll just catch you next week.